Meg and Buffalo and their daughter Mia were our neighbors when we lived in Asheville. Meg is the principal at Owen High School, and so she was the principal for all four of my kids who went to Owen High School. Well, um, one summer they decided to go on a long vacation, and so they needed our help. Um, they needed someone to take care of Mia's most prized possession. So they entrusted us with Mia's greatest treasure, which was Roy. <laughs> Roy was her fish, a Siamese fighting fish, or a beta fish. And Roy was named after just recently retired head basketball coach uh, Roy Williams, a coach at um, UNC Chapel Hill for the Tar Heels. Well, Mia uh, brings Roy over to our house. Um, he lives alone in a small bowl, and she gave us thorough instructions about how to care for him and gave us enough food uh, for, th for the duration of their vacation. And I'm like, this is going to be a piece of cake. Well, I came home from work one day and Roy is floating belly up in the top of his little bowl. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what happened? So <laughs> I was like this, this poor fella in uh, Jesus' parable of the talents. I feared the master's return. So I went to the pet store and I bought a Siamese fighting fish that looked exactly like Roy. <laughs> well, Jesus is with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And, and the disciples ask him, what is going to be the sign of your coming again? Um, what is going to be the sign of the end of the age? And so Jesus tells them, he tells them about the Son of Man returning in glory, uh, but he talks about some, some pretty scary stuff too, like um, there are going to be uh, wars and rumors of wars. You know, uh, at, at the end of days, there's going to be uh, uh, persecution and, and all this stuff. The sun is going to go dark. And, um, but he says the, the Son of Man is going to come in glory, like it's going to be a glorious day, but we've got to be ready. So he tells these uh, parables and he, and he says things about um, we've got to be prepared. Uh, we have to, to be ready and, and watchful. Uh, so nestled in this uh, collection of sayings and parables is our text for today, uh, the parable of the talents. Some call it the parable of the bags of gold. Now, our use of the word talent uh, to describe someone's uh, special abilities or, or natural abilities, uh, it comes from, from this story that Jesus told. But the thing is, uh, it's not really what the word means. A, a talent is actually uh, a weight uh, or measurement, and, it, and it's what was used for, for currency in Jesus' time. And so a talent, one talent, was valued at about, you know, some say between 15 or 20 years wages for, you know, like your average laborer. But it all depended on um, what you were measuring, whether you were measuring, you know, copper or silver or gold. So Jesus tells this story, and this, this huge sum of, of money is to remind us that, that God entrusts us 
with things of great value and how we live with the things that he has entrusted to us, like that really matters. So this stewardship season, our theme is hitting our stride. And stride is an acronym for spiritual gifts, talents, resources, individuality, dreams, and experiences. And today we're going to talk about resources. How do we best utilize the resources that God has given us? Uh, for the stuff of God's kingdom. How do we make a difference? How do we leave footprints that matter uh, with the stuff that we have? When we think about the resources that we have, almost always we think about money. How do we live with the financial resources uh, that God has entrusted to us? Um, do we live generously, maybe even taking big risks, trusting God with our future, just like in the parable of the talents? Or uh, do we live in fear of our future, um, maybe hoarding the stuff that we have um, or, or burying it in a hole? You know, Jesus has a lot to say about our money and, and about our possessions um, because it's important. You know, he talks about the importance of kind of loosening our grip, living generously and, and caring for the people around us. Um, and the, the financial commitment that we make to our church, uh, it's important. John Lavender tells this story about a pastor who, um, you know, kind of um, asked his congregation um, to help with this worthy cause. And uh, a woman, a member of his church, comes up after and, and gives him a, a $50 check. And, but she also asks him, like, is, is this gift satisfactory? Well, the pastor replied, of course it is, if it represents you. Well, there was kind of an, an awkward moment there, a thoughtful moment, and she took her check back and, and she left. And she came back a couple days later, and this time she gave the pastor a $5,000 check with the same question, is this gift satisfactory? Well, the pastor re replied in the same way. He's like, well, of course it is, if it represents you. Well, again, there was this, this pause, and uh, clearly um, there was some, some deep stuff going on uh, that, that she was wrestling with with that. And so after a, a, a moment's hesitation, she takes the check back again, and she leaves. Um, later in the week, she comes back, and this time, she has a check for $50,000. And she said, I have prayerfully considered this, and this represents me, and I'm happy to give it. Uh, in two weeks, on October 17th, um, that's our Commitment Sunday, our, our Pledge Sunday. We have an opportunity as an act of worship, whether you are worshiping uh, with us online or whether you're attending in person at, at one of our, our services, um, an opportunity as an act of worship uh, to prayerfully consider and give to God um, what our commitment is going to be for the next year. And, and I know that some, for some of you, um, 
that, that number on the pledge card, it's going to be really big. But for some of you, it's going to be embarrassingly small. And, and some of us, we, we may not be able to give anything at all. But that's okay. We can't let that keep us from making a pledge because all of us have something to give. You know, money isn't the only resource that we have. Like our material possessions, uh, that's a resource. When we think about what our resources are, we think about the stuff that we own, the stuff that we have access to. Like how can my possessions be a resource that I can use for God's kingdom? I immediately think about some of the big sacrifices that some of you made. Like after the flood happened, um, there were people who had no homes left and they needed a place to go. And some of you who have an extra home, like you gave it to them for free. They got to live in your home for free. It's amazing. I've seen a lot of you use your car as a resource. You know, like just the other day, um, my dad's neighbor came to his house. We were just, we were just leaving from Sunday lunch and uh, she needed a ride to the hospital. And my dad was pretty pumped about uh, being able to use his car to take a friend uh, to the hospital to, to see her wife who was sick. I've seen some of you load your car up with food and, and bring it from Haywood Christian Ministries over here to our, um, to our Friendship House food pantry. Or, or take your car to the food line and, and do the same thing and, and get the food. Or you've driven a, a friend or a Sunday school class member to a doctor's appointment um, or, or to the hospital. Uh, we can use our cars and our things. I remember one Saturday morning, we were almost finished at the Friendship House, and I was shutting everything down, and we had been putting things up. And this guy approaches me, and he says, um, Hey, uh, would, would you mind checking to see if you've got any shoes? Because we had put all the clothes back up in the closet. Um, he said, My shoes are, are size 12, um, and, and, I, and I wear a size 9. And I'm like, sure, I, I don't mind. And, and so I went and I looked, and there were no size 9 shoes. They were either too big or, you know, just incredibly small. Cute, but they don't work for a guy who's, who's wearing a size 9 shoe. And then something happened to me. I looked down at my feet, and I was wearing my running shoes that I really like. And I'm a size 9. And so I go back out and I say, hey, I, I couldn't find any size nines. I was like, but mine are size nine. Like, would you like to have them? And I took off my shoes and he tossed his size 12s. And for a guy who um, walks miles and miles a day, um, that mattered. And besides, I've got like 12 pairs of shoes at home. I got shoes for dress up days like today. I've got shoes for working in the yard. I've got loafer kinds of shoes to wear with khaki pants to work. I've got sandals. Uh, I've got some Bob Marley flip flops. And if I didn't have any pairs of shoes, I have the resources to go buy them. It was really nothing for me. It was a small gesture, but it was huge for him. I think about our, our church and churches in general. You know how church buildings are such a resource and, and how many church buildings are only used you know, on Sundays or, or, or just a, a few times a week. 
I wanted to film down here because in our youth arena area, this, this space is used. Alcoholics Anonymous, six days a week, uh, those groups are meeting in, in this space. Uh, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, twice a week they're meeting here. We have uh, ESL classes uh, once a week. Uh, five days a week, middle school after school overruns this place. Every Sunday evening in our youth chapel, uh, our, our youth are gathering uh, and, and they're worshiping. Seven days a week, this place is popping. Like, our building is an amazing resource. What are the material things that we have, big and small, that can make a difference? In my wonderful Wednesday class that I'm leading, Serving from the Heart, it's all about hitting our stride and, and, and finding ways that, that each of us can serve in meaningful ways. Well, in the conversation about our resources, they said our contacts are, are an important resource. And I had never thought about that before. Like literally our contacts, the people that are, that are in our address book, are a resource that we can leverage for kingdom things. And I saw a perfect example of this some years ago. I went to a church that had a Wednesday meal. They called it the welcome table. And so they not only fed people in the community who, who needed some food, um, but they also offered other things. Like there was a lawyer set up at a table. And for free, he was offering services to anybody who needed legal help. Next to him at a table was a nurse who was providing kind of a mini clinic uh, for people who couldn't afford uh, uh, to go to the doctor, didn't have insurance, they could get um, health check, you know, like blood pressure and cholesterol. I went one time and next to them uh, there was a financial planner who was set up there uh, helping people for free figure out how to manage uh, their money and to get out of debt. It was pretty amazing. The people that we know could be invited to make a difference like that at some event and then our time. You know, some people argue that our time is our, our most valuable resource. And we've got time. And we choose to do lots of things with the time that we have. And so when we begin to think about our time as a valuable resource, like for example, I can read. Like, you can probably read too. Like our, our, our knowledge and our ability to read uh, is a great gift, especially to a second grader at the elementary school who doesn't know how to read. I've seen lots of people go early in the morning with Dr. Seuss books or I'm going on a bear hunt book and just reading to elementary students. Our time is a resource. When we fill out our pledge cards, you know, there's, there's, there's spaces there for us to put dollar amounts. And like I said, some of those are going to be big. Some of those are going to be small. There might not be any numbers there at all. I want to encourage you to think about our resources, all of them. And on the pledge card, not only put numbers or no numbers, put these other things as well. What kind of commitment can we make? How can we use our resources for God's kingdom? On one occasion, Jesus was with his disciples and a guy approaches him and he's really wealthy and he has a lot of possessions. 
but he's a good guy. And he, he says to Jesus, or he asks Jesus, like, what, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And, and Jesus kind of lists some of the commandments. And, and the guy, I'm sure he's smiling, is like, yeah, I've done all of those since I was a little kid. Um, and Jesus says, well, um, if you want to be perfect, in other words, like if you want to live really well, then get rid of your possessions, sell them, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. And the story has a sad ending because this made the guy sad. And he walked away because he had many possessions. On another occasion, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're in the temple treasury where the offering plates are. They were kind of like trumpets and people would come and they would throw their offering um, in, in these, these trumpet-shaped offering uh, collection things. And, of course, people with lots of money, they, they, would, they would throw lots of coins and it would be loud. It was a beautiful sound, those, those coins. Um, and then this poor widow comes and her offering um, didn't make much sound at all. And they're watching all of this. She gave like a penny or two pennies. And Jesus turns to his disciples and they say, did you see her? She's given more uh, than, than anybody. And they were confused by that. Um, but Jesus says, she's given the greatest gift uh, because she's given what she has, all that she has. As we come to this table today, we remember that Jesus says, if we really want to find our life, really want to live well, then we need to give it away. And that's what he did. On that um, Thursday night, he was celebrating Passover with his disciples, and, and they were at this meal that, uh, that, that celebrated liberation and, and freedom. And, and Jesus uh, took the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take this and eat it and remember. And then when the supper was over, he took the cup. And he says, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin, for liberty, for freedom, the opportunity to live well, to leave footprints that matter for God. And they celebrated this, this meal. Uh, the journey got really tough for them in those next days. But the church began. And we continue that journey together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not loved our neighbors we have not heard the cry of the needy. We have not done your will. We have not been faithful stewards of creation. Forgive us, we pray, and free us for joyful obedience. We ask, O oh God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here, and that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine, and that you would make them be for us 
the body and blood of Christ, so that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, uh, make us one with you, uh, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final glory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. We pray these things, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we partake of the one loaf. The breaking of the bread is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. Amen.